talk all about TV shows, A Night in Lonesome October, Night Court, Willow, video games on Steam, and a bunch of nostalgia. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of the Inverse Genius Semi-Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the internet as well, Sfio. Today, I am thrilled to have two ginormous entertaining personalities here with me. Uh, the a recurring thorn, I mean, the recurring voice on many of these Inverse Genie is uh, Bruce Folk. Hey, Bruce. Hey, keep the name. Keep the damn name. The Fortnightly doesn't have to necessarily be a time... Chicago doesn't happen in Chicago. But <laughs> fortnightly is a time, but we'll see. We'll Chicago see. Chicago is happens. a place, but you know where you watch it on Broadway. And sometimes, if you're lucky, smaller cities it travels to. So you're saying that if we make the show about fortnightly, we can keep calling it fortnightly. But if. I'm, all we'd have to do is every <clears throat> once in a while mention once an episode that two weeks is, in fact, a span of time. Like, I think we've legally covered our uh, minimum daily requirement of talk of fortnightly, the time concept to, to definitely cover calling it that. I see. All right. Well, I'll take it up with Eric. Cause please do. He's the guy who said we had to put out at least an episode a month. If we want to keep calling it a podcast. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Bruce, thank you very much. What real quick, where's one place that you want people to find you on the internet? Uh, hey, I'm at Brusco Thinks on Twitter. Until that explodes, I'll be there. Hooray! I'm not on Twitter anymore. Uh, the other big personality that we have here is the amazing Bill Corey. Hey, Bill. Hello. How's it going? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. And yourself? I am well, and I would just like to go on record as saying that I would be willing to wager that if you didn't remind people how long a fortnight is, no one would know any better. This guy gets that- it. So I'm just throwing that out there. I think you own well, that name and just live your best lives with it. <laughs> every once in a while. If they go back while, and right? listen to, well, every episode besides this one, Bruce reminds them what a fortnight is. So if they've listened for any length of time, they know. They I, know. I think sure that makes you an that. educational podcast then. <laughs> Ooh, let's not go that far. <laughs> All right. Well, it was worth the chat. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Gentlemen, is there anything upcoming that uh, we're not going to talk about in depth that you're really excited about? Something on the horizon? Because I've got something. Well, then Ooh, you should probably start. Something that will be not at all in interest to Bruce, and I can't speak for Bill, but uh, Stephen Colbert is going to be producing The Chronicles of Amber with George R. R. Martin. Um which I think, except for maybe the Stephen Colbert part, Bruce doesn't care about any of that stuff. That's that's very fair. So, I, uh, yeah, I played the Amber role playing game for a hot minute back in the day, but I do not familiar with any of the other source material besides that. Uh oh, that's that's a different podcast. Uh, but <laughs> no, uh, so the Chronicles of Amber is a series of books by Roger Zelazny, whose name you will hear again in the short future because I'm going to be talking about something else relating to him, and he is sort of one of the 
you know, fantasy science fiction back in the day folks uh, who has produced some stuff that is not totally abhorrent now. So we don't hate him completely. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the Chronicles of Amber is sort of one of the books that sort of brought, hey, there's different slices of everything between here and there and all the realities exist between law and chaos, sort of playing with some of the themes that have become super popular now in anime and other geekdom. And well, we're not getting too deep into it because I hope to talk about it at length sometime in the future, not on this episode. Anything else from either of you? Yeah, I, Bruce. I do have one because uh, you reminded me with the Stephen Colbert thing. Yes. Uh, is Craig Ferguson, it is being oh. reported uh, in Variety, is going to be getting a half hour late night show through Sony. I don't know whether it will be a, a syndication type deal or what the thing will be. And for me, uh, I think Craig Ferguson's run on the late, late show was a real serious high water mark for late night television. I think he did an amazing job with it. I know a lot of the bits that we stole on Party Gamecast, that's who we stole them from. <laughs> uh, okay. Our, our joke, the whole running joke we had of Dice Tower Network Cares, that was yeah. CBS Cares. That was his bit because they stopped the charity thing midway through. So every time he would do something horrible, he would say, don't worry, everybody, CBS Cares. Uh, that's where we got the Dice Tower Network Cares was every time we would do something where we had to edit it because I cussed or something. Um, right. And I'm excited to see, because his take on a late night show is so far, you know, like 130 degrees away from every, where everybody else is um, yep. that I like to see. I'm, I'm curious to see what it'll be. But his first run, if you can catch him, I think was some of the best late night television that's been made. That's great. I cannot wait to uh, to hear all about it because unless it shows up on one of these streaming services in a way that I cannot ignore it, I won't see an episode, but I always like to stuff. So uh, I, I am pleased by this, whether or not it will draw my eyeballs. Who knows? Bill, do you have one thing you want to be excited about for the upcoming? I personally am excited for something kind of in my own space i am and this is this is a very selfish thing but i'm excited i see a computer upgrade in my future and so all of my all of my kind of attention has been drawn towards computer gear lately and so i've been kind of focused in that regard and i'll talk more about that sort of thing when we get into later on in the show because much of what i'm talking about is video game related but um but that's kind of my big my big focus lately i haven't been doing i haven't really been watching much tv so i don't have any good shows or anything like that that i'm kind of looking forward to at the moment i'm sort of hoping to be inspired by you guys i'm excited for craig ferguson i've always liked him just as a human being yep like he's just that kind of guy that i feel like i'm always interested to hear what he his opinion and sort of the lens that he looks at things through. So that's exciting. Nice. So I'm stealing his. I'm excited for Craig Ferguson too. Can I do that? <laughs> Excellent. And it doesn't have to be TV. TV is sort of what we fall back to when we go, I've been taking it leisurely and this is something I can sit down and be excited about as okay. opposed to some of the other things that require us to go out and be excited about them. Okay. Then I guess I do have something then. There's a game upcoming called Nivalis, N-I-V-A-L-I-S, which is the spiritual sequel to a game that I was incredibly passionate about last year called Cloudpunk. Nivalis is mm-hmm. the spiritual successor, and I'm hoping that Nivalis will release this year. It's supposed to be a 
uh, cyberpunk slice of life simulator where apparently you run a restaurant in a cyberpunk city, which I find weirdly compelling. Like it just feels like a really interesting idea of I'm going to, I'm sorry, what not be the, the cyber bad, you know, the, the hard case that's running around axing people, but I'm just going to be running a ramen shop. I'm really excited for that. That I hope is going to be out soon. Question mark. It's a very small studio, so it's always hard to tell with those, but that would be my thing. I want to say there's also another game that's in that same space called like bartender, but the 10 is the number 10 where it's the same deal. It's a slice of life, cyberpunk, you are a bartender and you're a mix of figuring out weird drinks and also trying to listen for what's going on in the city to stop bad things from happening. But I okay. Think so, uh, was out there. That's not where I thought you were going to go with this. I thought it was going to be bartender where you're a guy at a bar trying to set people up like, oh, this guy over here and this person over here, they should get together. So it's like Tinder. But yeah. you're no, the no, guy running the bar. Much better than the thing I think I saw on the switch shop. Uh, yeah, that's a- I know there's also one called Coffee Talk that I think is exactly what you're talking about. There's also a, a kaiju dating game that I haven't tried, but I really want to. And I'll stop talking now because I've. <laughs> of course, there is. That's <laughs> yeah. exciting. I never played Boyfriend Dungeon or whatever it was, but one day, one day I will. I love you, Colonel <clears throat> Sanders. Start there. Yeah, yeah, I I did explore that because of you. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some other stuff that we talked about recently. We'll get through this pretty quick. Uh, I, over the whole holiday festivity period, uh, have started to re-binge The Muppet Show from oh. episode one all the way through. And I have to say that as secondary engagement, so like I'm playing Valheim or something else, The Muppet Show is the best show I have ever watched. Now, if I sit down and I just try and just watch The Muppet Show... Not as good, but okay. when you get to say, "Hey, I am playing Gloomhaven app or something like that, or or some other game," it is catchy enough that when it's something funny going on, you watch it. You get to see a lot of the old vaudeville stars, like Milton yep. Berle was on it, and um, uh, George Burns and people like that. Folks lost to us today that there are going to be people who never see those folks ever who have been exposed to those acts um, through the Muppet show. Though I did mention that I had the Muppet show stuck in my head at work. And one of the kids there goes, what's the Muppet show? What are Muppets? Mm -hmm. I felt old, Mm -hmm. very old. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, still playing Valheim. Miss lens is murderously intense. It's very vertical. You can't see very far. It annoys me a lot. I love it. Um, And I think last episode, last time we got together, I mentioned that I wasn't super excited about Willow, but it sort of had me by the nostalgia. Um, mm-hmm. The last few episodes ramped it up and were legitimately amazing. So I'm glad I watched it. I didn't feel like I was just forced to watch it because it, it brought me memory memory of my high school days or what have you. Um, but yeah, Willow turned it around and got uh, very engaging. I have been sort of avoiding all of the nostalgia throwback reboot things that have been coming down the pipe. Well, this is a great episode for you then. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say. It, it, but no, this is good, though, because like I've been avoiding them because, honestly, I've gotten mixed reviews from the people that I have talked to for, for on some of them. Like, for instance, the Dark Crystal, uh, that the Age of Resistance. I got a lot of really mixed reviews on there, and I sort of steered away from it as a result. And when I heard that Willow was coming out, I didn't have a lot of faith. But this gives me hope. Is it? It's worth pushing through? Um. Yeah, I mean, the first episode, you go, oh, this is so cute. I kind of remember this stuff. And then by episode three, you're going, well, maybe this doesn't completely suck. And then by the end of the series, you're like, oh, yes, this is exciting. Especially if you like fantasy stuff. I, I wouldn't try and leverage Bruce into watching it. That's not his bag. But, uh, you know, it's there's some cool concepts. And, you know, there's a couple of neat fights and some interesting, you know, magic. There are no dragons, though. So an analogy wouldn't be triggered there, but everything else is, you know, is high fantasy. So well, Will- Willow, the original movie is one of my all time favorites. That is my nostalgia bomb. Uh, oh, so well then I-, I recommend this for you entirely. All right. So you've got one on this list of something that you talked about last time you were on the show, uh, the doom patrol. Yes. Yes. I, um, I just, I just started doom patrol season four and I've only gotten a couple episodes in, so I'm not very far into it yet. It has, has not grabbed me. Like season four mm. is not, is not grabbing me yet. And I don't know if it's just because there was such a long gap because I binged seasons one through three, kind of all at once. I didn't mm-hmm. watch it organically as it came out. And so the large gap, I wonder if maybe I just need to kind of refresh myself a little bit and kind of get back into the flow of it, or if it's the way that I enjoyed the first three seasons. But so far, I'm not hooked yet. I want to be very badly, but I think it's because the focus has been pulled away and, and thrown towards some of the newer characters um, that mm-hmm. I'm not quite as invested in yet. So I feel like they've they've changed enough stuff that I'm having a hard time buying in, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going because they did right. they did write by those characters in seasons one through three. So I I have faith, but I mean it, it's not bad. It, it just it sort of feels like they're taking themselves seriously a little more than they did before, and also that uh, you know we've had since Doom Patrol came out we've had. Peacemaker, which is another group of jerks mm-hmm. with a lot punchier dialogue, you know? And so as much as we like Brendan Fraser and the guy from white collar and, and all the other people who are in this show, mm-hmm. it just, it doesn't have the punch that some of the other, Hey, look, we're jerks, but superheroes ish too at the same time kind yeah. of stuff. I think doom so. patrol works because of its lighthearted nature. Or at least that was my opinion of it in the first three seasons. It needs to stay, yes. stay lighthearted for it to be able to work with the kinds of stories that they've wanted to tell. It can be serious in moments, but I think overall it needs to it needs to keep that kind of silly side to it. And so far, I haven't seen that in season four. But I, like I said, I have faith it'll it'll get right. there. I mean, yeah, I do too. I'm going to keep watching. I hope. Well, well, if we don't have anything else. Uh, old stuff. I think we should get into our topic du jour. And that means, well, not du jour. Each of us has our own. I'm going to have Bill jump in and talk about these games that I always see you playing on Steam. Oh, goodness. Don't don't view my shame on Steam. I play too many games on Steam. But <laughs> the, the game that I am currently mildly addicted to is called Tavern Master. It is a Slice of life. Funny how that works where you are running a medieval tavern. This is 
this is stereotypical. Here is run your tavern that's next to the castle in ye olde kingdom kind of bit. Um, but where it strays from that stereotypicalness is that it expects you to also be a hotel with rooms and it expects you to be a kitchen and prepare different dishes and it expects you to organize events and send out adventurers to gather specific ingredients, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it does the thing that all good games do where it starts off relatively simple and just keeps adding levels of complexity. It also lets you be very, very detail oriented if you want to be, but you don't have to be. Um, And it scratches that itch of rearranging your bedroom. And what I mean by that is because you have to literally arrange tables and make sure that the tables are well lit because people won't sit at a table that doesn't have enough light. You get to get your interior decorating on in this game, which I find very soothing. So you were mentioning before that the Muppet Show is great as a second screen form Mm -hmm. of entertainment while you're doing something. Tavern Master is great as a first screen game while I want to consume something second screen. So like a podcast or an audio book. Tavern Master is my game that I use when I'm listening to that. So I can, my brain is focused primarily on the, on whatever the audio is that I'm listening to, but I'm also rearranging tables and making sure that Merlin has his fish stew. I wish I was kidding, but Merlin likes fish stew. I have no idea why. Of course he does. Who knows? No one can possibly know. But the game does some things well. It does some things a little bit clunky. You can definitely tell it was made by a dude. There's one guy that made the game. So it's it's got some it's got some rough edges, and I'm not sure that it is the kind of game that I'm still gonna be playing in three months, but I certainly don't regret purchasing it. And I have made a beautiful bar called the Wet Boot. So the I feel boot. like I have accomplished something in my life in my make-believe space. <laughs> I don't know. It's nice. it's soothing. It's one of those games that kind of gives you a sense of peace as you sort of build your little thing. And I, and I like games like that. So looking at it, it's like 15 bucks on steam, very Mm -hmm. positive reviews. And, uh, yeah, it's solid. It's solid. Like I said, it's not, it's not without fault. Um, there, there will come a point in the game fairly early on where the goals that the game gives you are basically the only thing that you have to do. So you end up making some intentionally stupid decisions because you have to meet a goal because otherwise you can't progress the game. Like today, I will only serve soup. Okay. Hmm. I don't know why, but today I have to only serve soup. Sure. Whatever game. But right. I mean, once you look past the sort of weird clunky parts of that, that the game uses as the quote unquote game mechanics in order to, 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 give a sense of progress it's very soothing very chill game you can walk through your own bar you can put yourself in first person mode and actually walk through as a little dude if you want to um it's get snapshots that you can use in your role-playing game yep Yep. yeah you can do all the things it's it's slick it's definitely worth worth the money at least that is a single player game so it's not something you're playing with your friends correct so all right. Well, that sounds cool. Is there another Steam game you wanted to throw out there? Sure. I mean, I could talk about Steam games way too long, but the other one that, and and it's not fantasy this time, we don't just have to talk about swords and sorcery stuff, is called Black Ice. This is another indie, indie game developed by two guys this time. Okay. You know this because every time you load the game up, it shows you their faces. Um, this is <laughs> what we were promised hacking would look like back in the 80s and 90s. So this is Tron aesthetic hacking. You are, it is a first person shooter game 
Oh, that is all, just hideous. I love it. Yeah, it, hideous. Oh, hideous. Yes. Bite your tongue, sir. No, that the is, art. Oh, that's. Oh, just, it's gorgeous, and I disagree with you vehemently. It's it's Tron. You're basically. I hear you trying to disagree with me, but I don't <laughs> think you believe yourself, Bruce. Bruce. I, 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 I'm looking. I, he's googling right madly so he can find it. Yeah, because uh, if it's it's a vaporwave aesthetic, how can you not love this? I didn't uh-huh. say I didn't love it. I, <laughs> I I did say I love it right after I said it was hideous. Wow. I, I every, think that just every color and only in neon. You're not allowed correct. any muted colors at all. Correct. What? It's it's it is exactly that. Yes. What it all what it is really uh, with all of the joking aside, however, what it is, is it's a looter shooter, first person shooter game. So think Borderlands, one of those sorts of games where you're you're running around killing bat monsters, getting better gear. The thing that this does that I think is really interesting is the way that you uh, gear up is by applying programs to your deck, your computer in the game. and you have slots for each program, which will take up a certain amount of RAM. That RAM is also your ammunition and how fast your RAM frees itself up determines how fast your guns reload. You can also remap all of the other keys that would normally not be remappable. So like your jump and your sprint buttons can be remapped as anything you want. So you can remap keys one through six and your shift key and your space bar basically to whatever you like to really customize your, your play experience, which I think is cool. Secondly, it's built for multiplayer. It's built for up to 10 people to be able to play this at once. And there, yeah, it's, it's made for large group multiplayer experiences, which I haven't had a chance to do yet. I've only played it single player. Haven't, haven't gotten enough people to bite bite on it yet. Um, And third, and what I think is interesting is it's actually got a pretty decent story hiding in there. The story is all told through emails, basically, that you receive from people that you are hacking, people that you are requesting that you hack other people, and so on. So it's very text-based. If you're not a reader, you're not going to enjoy that the story side of things. But even if you don't enjoy your story told in uh, text form, the mm-hmm. gameplay itself is compelling enough, I think, uh, assuming that you're not visually offended by the, by the vaporwave. Um, that I think the gameplay is super fun. Plus, the space that you occupy is amazing. They did some serious work to build this world that you exist in, and it really shows. Like, there's a lot of care put into the world itself that you're running around in. And, the aesthetic is vaporwave so- Minecraft. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I can see that. I, I didn't put the Minecraft part of it together, but I can definitely see that. It's very polygon, like a very Tron is what I originally yeah. thought of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tron meets two tabs of acid. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Um, if you like looter shooters and you like, and, and you'll notice a common theme with games that I play is I tend to really focus on little indie games. I don't tend to go for AAA games. Um, I find that you can get some really fantastic video gaming experiences off of these little indies who are just trying to make a buck. So that's right. sort of my, I, I love supporting these little guys. So I think this game is so- solid. Just a okay, solid so we've play had, experience. We've had Calm uh, with uh, Tavern Master. We had Migrating with Black Ice. Uh, <laughs> give me a third one just to sort of round out the set. Okay. 
So I don't know. This probably uh, this this lives somewhere in the middle, I guess. This will be across the obelisk, which is a roguelike deck building game that I uh, natter on incessantly about and try to get everybody to play. If you've played Slay the Spire, you already know what a roguelike deck building game is. It's a game where you start off with a static static deck, you uh, complete encounters, which will give you card drafts that will allow you to add better and more cards to your deck, eventually enabling you to beat better encounters, yada, yada, yada. The difference is with Across the Obelisk is built for multiplayer. You are a party of four adventurers going through the map and each of the four characters can be played by a different player. So it is built to be a four-player multiplayer game, and it is fantastic at multi- on multiplayer. It works oh. like a treat and is such a fun game, multiplayer. Solo, it can be played solo, but I find that the cognitive load is a bit too much for me. You basically have to play four player positions, which I don't enjoy doing in any game, especially a a roguelike deck builder where, and this game has a lot of depth to it. Like you can dig, you can drill pretty deep on strategy for each individual character. And when you're trying to do that for four characters, you let things slip and it doesn't end up being a very satisfying experience. But if you enjoy deck building games and have a group or even just one person, so you can play two characters that's manageable in my opinion and it might be the best deck build roguelike deck builder in the market right now i think i'm comfortable (laughs) saying this is better than slay the spire i think i'm com. i know but i think mechanically and quality of life wise i think it's a better game i think it does some stuff better than slay the spire it does a lot of stuff better when it comes to quality of life for example if you hover over an attack card in your hand it will show you over each enemy what the actual damage output would be on that enemy based on their resistances to the type of damage that your card is doing. If you hover over a healing card, it will show you exactly how much healing will be put out. It has built-in emotes for multiplayer, so you don't have to use voice chat. You could just play with randos if you wanted to and just use an emote system. It does a lot of things right that Slay the Spire it's sort of like with other de- with other genres of games, right? Something comes out and sets the bar, and then other things improve on it. This is very clear that they were fans of Slay the Spire, and they said, now how can we make this better? And they did. Okay. So, hmm. But it does want multiplayer, I think. I know if, uh, to me. But that's well, cool. We'll have to actually get together online and play it, because I played through the demo, and I was like, okay, that's nice, and then I'm waiting for us to play. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. you know, um, yes. But and by I the don't way, know how also, to spend my experience. I don't know how to, I don't know how roguelike it is when you've got experience that you build up, but, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause your characters level up and get individual perks. There are 16 characters you can potentially play. You have to unlock all but the starting four. There are quest lines that you can follow. It's very swords and sorcery. So you got to be able to buy in a little bit to the fantasy side of thing. But if you can get past that, it's got a lot going for it. I know Bruce, nice. I'm, there's a lot of swords and sorcery stuff, but at least you it's know, not all exactly level. If I can eventually get to, uh, I do two, three damage and that guy dies. And I don't have to think about the, but you did the ball of enlightenment. Like if I can just get to numbers, Oh yeah. It's the same way I feel about Waterdeep. I'm turning two white cubes into three purple cubes. I yes. don't talk to me about what I did or where I went or who I met, but two purple two white cubes and three purple cubes, I a thousand percent understand. 
Excellent. You can definitely cut straight to the numbers. In the ad- okay. there are three different ways you can play the game: um, adventure mode, obelisk mode, and challenge mode. Obelisk mode is a true randomized roguelike deck builder game. Adventure okay. mode is a predetermined map with like quests and things. Okay. On adventure mode, you will occasionally mm-hmm. have to make a like choice. Okay. So there, you might actually have to think about whether you throw the orb, the orb of enlightenment. But that's I mean, once in a while. If every once in a while I have a decision like that, I, I, I can. I don't have to be such a party pooper that I can't accept <laughs> the. Do I Fair do enough. do you, do I keep the 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 ball of enlightenment or do I change it for the robe of darkness? Like I can do that every once in a while. All right, nice. And then, all right. And honestly, it's yeah, you'll like it then. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to jump in next, Bruce. You get a back cleanup again. Uh, one thing I should have mentioned in the upcoming stuff I'm excited about is a last of us, a, uh, uh, TV show on HBO, I think, mm-hmm. uh, based, uh, on a video game, the last of us video game, uh, we're one episode in, it was, uh, better than I thought it would be. Uh, but given everybody involved, I shouldn't have been too surprised. I'm sure I will talk about it later, but if you were waiting on it, go and check it out on HBO, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> so, Bruce, you're not not too fond of the dungeons and or the dragons. How do you feel about universal monsters? So I I am a surprisingly large fan of universal monsters. I don't know why you would say surprisingly large fan. I figured that that would be the corner in which you sit. It is definitely the corner. I mean, you give me Abbott and Costello and the Mummy. How how about how about Lovecraft? So the, you lose me at Lovecraft, and I, I can't okay. tell. So here's – I'll get, we'll do this for a quick second. We'll do a quick bit of therapy. Right. I don't know whether my problem is actually like Lovecraftian horror. Let's leave actual Lovecraft, that uh, ghoul, out of it. But the actual horror, <laughs> whether it's the people that like it so much that make me have a natural retch reaction to it when I see it. Like I've played the <laughs> Arkham Horror board game, and it was the most miserable six and a half hours of my life. Uh, but – when I see people like kind of bring a little bit of like Cthulhu Lovecraftian weirdness, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of fun. Like, welcome to Night Vale. I love, and that is definitely in the same spirit, but I don't have to, I don't know, I guess be around the kind of people who like it. Uh, that's Absolutely. the closest thing I can say. So I'm, I'm, we're still okay. We're still very much right. at a versus right, right, happy right, right. with okay. it kind of place. How about um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe? I mean, I live in Baltimore. Uh, okay. I especially like the old Vincent Price weirdness. Nice. Uh, the, nice, the pendulum nice. and uh, the Raven, where he's just being weird. Um, Are, and I, I don't dislike the work of Poe. I, I can do a little horror. I like Elvira, like everybody else. Nice. Are you familiar with uh, Edward Gorey, the art of Edward Gorey? I, I sure am. And once again, this is where we start to veer into a fandom that I have to start working to pull the car away from. But if you just show me some work of Edward Gorey, yeah, I'm a fan. Okay. All right. Well, so previously I was talking about Roger Zelazny, the author of Chronicles of Amber series, back when I was in high school and a huge fan of, uh, you know, all of those things. Well, just mm-hmm. just just wave the big all of these as Donald's wand that goes over okay. them. And I discovered this book, uh, A Night in the Lonesome October, by okay. Zelazny, and the it's sort of told as a uh, one month of entries. You've got a little, like a page zero or something that, that sort of sets you up a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's it's like a journal told, uh, to spoil it, yeah, told from the point of view of Jack the Ripper's dog, Snuff. 
All right. And it's all of the stuff that happens over this month in October when a a ritual is going to be performed. And most of the characters that the dog interacts with are the familiars for these other, um, these other monsters or other tropes or stereotypes or whatever from the area era. And I guess the one thing that you got to say is, well, uh, it was written back in the eighties, I believe it was. And so uh, instead of using, you know, Romany or travelers, they use the term gypsies uh, for a group of people. Uh, Strangely, it is not used in any way as a, is a bad thing, right? He's not, he's not maligning that group of folks. Mm -hmm. Um, even though uh, a lot of the fiction and or movies or whatever from that time period might've done so. Um, And so it's just, it's very interesting. The characters are done. There's sort of a couple of things that the, uh, that snuff is trying to figure out as time goes on, but he's really just sort of telling this tale as you encounter a Frankensteinian parallel, a Dracula parallel and so forth and so on as it all goes on. Uh, And, uh, you know, there might be a detective who shows up uh, that could be familiar to some people who is never named because at that point they were still under copyright. Um, and it is an amazing book. And I used to read it every October, right? It's like, okay, well, this is cool. I can read one chapter a day and and do the thing. And then I would be done with it by day five of October, well, it had been out of print for the longest time, and Amazon brought it back into print last September, and the audiobook version has come out, which okay. the, the bad thing is, is that the original one has the illustrations by Edward Gorey, which is why I brought his name up, yeah. and they are great. Well, the audiobook, of course, doesn't have those. I have no idea if the new print version has them as well. Didn't bother to check, but I'm going to say, if this sounds at all interesting to you... Mm-hmm. Go and check it out. Uh, it is super fun, and it sort of hits everything that I want. And there are Lovecraftian elements. And if you know anything about uh, some of us, you know, more popular stories, you're going to see a lot of elements that you can sort of pick out. And if you're familiar with uh, being clawed on the leg by a cat, um, you know what I'm going through right now. Oh, goodness um, knows I do. Uh, so anyway that's my recommendation and night in the lonesome october it's fast read it's not a particularly deep thing but you're gonna you know see some old friends and a new take on them so i recommend it sounds like fun plus this does that thing that i love that i always just call the super smash effect which is taking a whole bunch of people from an unrelated set of universes and putting them into one place to just like have them hang out which is a thing i i do love Yep, I mean it's it's nice. It's this is where the uh, U- Universal Monsters uh, universe movie universe should have come. They should have just bought this book and started mm-hmm. here, and then uh, no, it still would have sucked. But this would have been a great movie <laughs> anyway. So. Excellent. I've had a credit. I've had a credit on my Audible account burning a hole in my pocket for a couple days now. So. I, I, I when I first heard it, I was like, I don't know about this uh, reader, but I bought the audiobook since, in theory, I have a copy of the hardback somewhere that I just can't find. Um, that uh, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll if I'll buy another hard copy, but I did listen to it. Guy did a pretty good job. I was I had fun with it, uh, liked it. I will probably listen to it again next October. Nice. 
So it sounds like it will pair well with Tavern Master. Oh, yes. Yes, it will, actually. It will pair great with Tavern Master. Outstanding. Uh, Bruce, what's going to pair well with my selection today? I mean, nothing I have to talk about. (laughs) Um, So I'm coming in with two bits of, we're going to call them nostalgia. One very much is. The other one, not so much, but we're going to talk about it real fast, which is um, I've talked many, many times about my love of game shows. Uh, Right now, there is currently a reboot of Lingo. Uh, So Lingo was a game show hosted by none other than Chuck Woolery, the host of uh, Love Connection. And don't look anything else up about him. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) But he was a great game show host. I'll give the man his credit. Beyond that, once again, I endorse nothing else with Chuck Woolery other than his game show hosting, but a great game show host. Um, But essentially, the idea of the game was this. The contestants are given five-letter words. And they have to say a five-letter word and try to figure out what the mystery five-letter word is. Every time they give a word, you're told which letters are correct, which letters are correct in the wrong places, and then how you've missed things. Sounds kind of like a game that everyone got obsessed with during the part of the pandemic when we admitted it was a pandemic. The green um, with the green and yellow cu- cubes. Uh, that that green game. Green and yellow cubes. So the the game that everybody is playing now is is I always want to. I hope I get it right. Wordle. I always want to call that it Wordle. Yes, it's Wordle. Um. So Wordle. If you've ever played Wordle, you saw when Wordle would happen. That game is just lingo stolen and turned into something that you can easily share on social media. So the folks with lingo said, "Oh, you stole our game. Let's just steal it on back." And that is exactly <laughs> what they did. Um, now, I will note that in the original game of Lingo, it was called Lingo because it was a mix of bingo and words. To make Lingo, you would solve your five-letter Lingo, and you'd have like a fakey bingo card. You'd have like a, a, a best I can describe it, a bowl of balls in front of you. Uh, and you would reach in, pull one out, and you would try to make a bingo. And if you made the bingo, you got bonus points. And you'd try to play to a final game where you'd guess a certain number of words in time. They've decided, if Wordly is so popular... Why even put the bingo back in the game? Um, people already <laughs> like this, so we're just going to do it. It's hosted by none other than RuPaul, Ooh. Uh, which I think is great. I think RuPaul does a good job. I think RuPaul, because of where he is in the zeitgeist and in popular culture, he can do something a lot of hosts can't do, which is saying simple things sound cheeky. Uh, and they don't sound filthy. They sound cheeky because... If RuPaul says something like, oh, you guys are on top, wink, uh, everyone goes, oh, oh, it's RuPaul saying it, um, which is something that a lot of hosts can't get away with anymore. You have to be really, really direct when you want to kind of wink at the audience now, and it's not so much so with RuPaul. Um, and the other, yes, Donald, is I see it, a question. Is it RuPaul um, in more dressed down or um, dressed up to the nines? Okay, so it is not RuPaul. It is RuPaul. How do I? I always try and figure out how to phrase it. Is it Drag Race RuPaul or other RuPaul? It's RuPaul out of drag. Okay. But RuPaul out of drag still went to the Met Gala. Let's not forget that. So RuPaul, now for one episode, RuPaul shows up in like a really muted shirt and a a non impressive suit. And I was upset. I was like, what are we doing? Are we? By the next episode, RuPaul was back in the kind of suits that RuPaul wears, which made me feel. Very good. The game also does one other thing I've not seen a game show do. I'm sure at some point, if you go back to like the 70s, it does it. But it essentially does a tournament. It has two teams come in and play lingo. And the opening round, five-letter words. Guess your five-letter words. Maybe somebody steals it. Who knows? Then round number two uh, is a 10-letter word where uh, a giant 
thing comes down from the ceiling and RuPaul has to grab the lucky balls because we have to do that, that thing uh, where RuPaul can either give you a ball for more money or can give you a ball to give you a letter in the 10 letter word. You try to guess your word. Then they do a round of six letter words. Then they do a five and six letter. And whoever wins at the end goes to the end of the game to face another team from the second half that did the same thing. Um, right. If you like word games, if you like Wordle, you're going to really dig this. It's a lot of fun. If you like RuPaul, uh, you might like this. If you like RuPaul, but you hate word games, stay away from it. RuPaul's not there so much that you uh, I will suddenly like word games. It's a lot of fun. It does not really hold to the old game. It's more like they said, hey, you stole lingo, and we're not going to pay you for Wordle, so we're going to call it lingo again. Uh, but a lot of fun. A fun little reboot. I think really entertaining. I like that it's added some 10 letter words. The six letter words are fun. Fun time was had by all worth checking out. I believe on Paramount plus uh, if you're out there and you're curious or on CBS on, I think Wednesday nights, maybe I don't know. I'm watching wrestling. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So there's my quick reboot. My second reboot is where your, uh, your nostalgia comes in. They have rebooted night court. Yes, they have. So, so let's get the, <laughs> let's get the big stuff out of the way first. I, two, at the point that we're talking now, two episodes have come out. The first night they did two episodes. It has done some of the best numbers that any sitcoms have done for quite a while. Um, and it is fun. If you like the old Night Court, go check them out. I think you're going to get a kick out of it. The The concept of the new one is, is that Harry Stone, if you watched the original Night Court in the 90s, um, that was hosted by, or that was hosted, that was starring Harry Anderson. A magician who became famous being on Cheers as Harry the Hat uh, right. took over that. And is Judge Harold T. Stone, uh, the youngest New York court judge and also a real cut up uh, who hosts Night Court, where it's all these weird people with weird charges. And it's kind of dealing with the life of these eccentric characters doing eccentric cases in Night Court. Uh, and that's the whole concept. So with this one, it is that Harry Stone's daughter now has taken over the exact same court. Um, they've even gone so far in a show made in the year of our Lord 2023 uh, <laughs> to put a laugh track in it. Uh, so they've gone that far. Yeah. They've also, and I this is how I've heard other people describe it, they've tied up some loose ends in the, and I quote, Night Court universe. Oh. Uh, because... Uh, John Larroquette is still alive. A lot of people that worked on the show have passed. John Larroquette is still very much alive and is back playing Dan Fielding. Uh, but they've he is now the defender rather than the prosecutor. So it's taking a sleazeball like Dan Fielding and figuring out in his older age if he can become a bit more sympathetic to people. We're kind of following that story. We learned that uh, he didn't get Christine Sullivan at the end. He married someone else who, who passed away. But we kind of learned what happened is his uh, womanizing ways uh, we get that little thread in there uh, just a bit. So that's all fun. If you liked Night Court, I think you'll get a kick out of it. The thing I'm worried about is, is when we take a show and we bring new characters, but we make, we make the place look exactly the same. We keep some of the same actors. We make sure that one of the people was related to someone from the original show. We put a laugh track in it in 2023. I don't know if it holds up past nostalgia. Once we're not directly linking to the old characters and we're not filling things in from a 1980s or 90s when you may have watched it, is it still going to be a show worth watching? And that's what I'm not sure about. Yeah. I, I, and that's where I was with Willow right up front, right? Is 
that it was like, okay, I get the gimmick, I get the bit, but if there doesn't end up being more, then I'm going to be angry. And they brought them more. And I see that the bills got something to say, Bill. Yeah. I, my thought here is that um, I haven't watched any of it yet. So I'm speaking from a place of mm-hmm. total ignorant ignorance and speculation. I just want to say that up front, okay. but I think that putting it back in the exact same courtroom and bringing John Larroquette back as Dan Fielding again. I love that that continuity is there because I, the way that I thought of it, when you described it, the first thing I thought of was Firefly. And the reason that I thought of that, I know that that's a weird, but the Serenity itself was a character in that show by all accounts, by, by Whedon's accounts and, and really the way that the story was told. And I thought of the courtroom as kind of mm-hmm. not just a set, but kind of a character in and of itself too, because that like that courtroom and, and its quirks and the way that it was laid out was very like central to a lot of the way that that story, that stories were told in the original nineties version of the show. So in my mind, the fact that they're keeping everything together, I think is a selling point. And I think that if you did put it in a different courtroom and had all new characters, it would feel just like a cash in. It would just yes. feel like all we're doing is dredging up this thing that everybody liked 30 years ago. And now we're going to put a fresh coat of paint on it and sell it to you. I love the, I like now I'm actually excited to watch it. I don't know that I again wasn't interested before. I love it. Neat things like they, they gave her and in the trying to tie it to the old show, they have done some things that are fun that if I think if you hadn't seen the old show, you You'd understand this probably means something, but it wouldn't be so much that it would throw off watching it. But like she finds a box or or someone finds a box in the basement of Harry's old stuff. And she starts going through and she's got like the armadillo that was originally on his desk. And she remembers its name and she remembers her father talking about it and like a couple of things, not a ton of stuff. Um, and the courtroom, which I might being the courtroom being a character, like in one of the opening episodes, there are pigeons that are in the ceiling and they keep feeding the pigeons a pizza every night because they realize they can't get them out of the ceiling. So they just want to feed them. And then someone upsets the pigeons and there's a scene of like the pigeons attacking the courtroom. Uh, so like they've done a good job. And that's what I'm saying. I like and there were a couple times I laughed out loud watching it. I Excellent. really did enjoy my time with it. I'm just nostalgia is a hell of a drug yes and i yes. can't tell is this good or is this good because i really loved night court yeah have there been any mel torme references yet no thank i was waiting for when that box came out i was like she's gonna pull a mel torme album out <laughs> that might be it for me that might be they should have just ha- they should have just had the theme song be you know be a mel torme thing so they wouldn't have to do it in the show uh, something like that. I don't know that they're ever going to address that. And that's one of the things I think I like is she has the armadillo. She knows the armadillo's name. She, to, to get Dan Fielding, she found some other talisman in the box from an early episode that I don't remember. Uh, you know, like, so, so they're doing a lot of like tie the night court universe together uh, that I think is a lot right. of fun. A lot of people are hoping that we might see, I think Marsha Warfield is still alive. So people are hoping that maybe she shows up for a minute. Um, yeah. And they've and they have they did the the thing. One thing I thought was fun was they did update the um the second. So there's like three sets on Night Court if you watch. There's the courtroom which looks the same. There's Harry Stone's office which looks the same. And then there was like the lunchroom which they've updated. There's now like a coffee bar and a barista and you know. So they've tried to make you remind you it's modern day. They've right. done enough things that I don't feel like they're just plucking at my heartstrings and my nostalgia. But I fear they're just plucking at my heartstrings and my nostalgia. What do you feel well, so about far, the? 
that they didn't bring back some of the people. Like uh, uh, maybe it was the the person you just mentioned, but I heard that like they didn't even you know talk to the writer, one of the writers who's still around, or or one or two of the characters who's still alive. Just didn't even didn't even drag them in at all. That, that doesn't surprise me. Which like maybe they had a vision, and in that vision they needed one of the actors time together or maybe at some point like bull shannon and his puppet show up for one episode i i don't know um i hope they don't lean on it too much i hope we go somewhere to where we start to learn to love and appreciate these characters on their own you know right now we look at them we're like oh the bailiff was kind of like marshall warfield and the you know the the court clerk kind of reminds me of mac a little bit you know and i'm once again i'm not sure if that's just me remembering the old show um, I will say, I'm curious if you're out there and you're listening and you never saw Night Court, watch an episode of this and just let me know if it holds up. If you didn't see it, I can tell you, if you have any kind of affinity to the show, you are definitely going to enjoy at least the first two episodes. I've had enough concussions that I remember very little of the original Night Court, so I may watch an episode and pretend I have never seen it. I'm super curious if it holds up. For me, I liked it enough you know, it was really a thing for me because I'm a huge Harry Anderson fan to the point of like, I have one of his signed like magic manuscripts. So I really got into that stuff. So I'm not a fair uh, and impartial judge on this. So I didn't know what was going on. If it's still, it's the same way I feel seeing a lot of Marvel stuff. I'm like, if you don't know this thing they're doing, uh, even from the movies, is it still entertaining or is it annoying? You know, and I just, I can't tell. But right. I give it a thumbs up, especially if you like the show. Nice. Cool. I'll check it out. And, and with Marvel, I've done more homework for Marvel than I probably ever did in school. So I caught up. I caught up. Absolutely. All right. Well, this looks like a good place to wrap this all up. Um, gentlemen, I appreciate you coming in and sharing the stuff you're excited about. And folks, if you want to play some of these games with Bill, uh, you know, I'll, I mean, I'll put you in touch with him. I don't even think he and I are friends in Facebook because are not on Facebook. I don't even think he and I are friends on steam because when I looked at the games he talked about, they didn't mention that he owned it. So I have no idea, but that um, is a continuous and and pervasive lack of, of foresight on my part. I apologize for my, or just me not paying attention. So who knows, who knows what happened? Uh, But anyway, um, uh, Bill, uh, would you please let everybody know quickly uh, where you would like to be found on the internet? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I, d- I don't like the internet much anymore. I just like talking right. to you guys. <laughs> nice. Bruce, how about you? <laughs> uh, at Bruce Go Thinks on Twitter, nobody else is there. It's just uh, me and four million bots, just like how I like it. Nice. All right. Uh, yeah, and everybody, if you want to find out more about us, this show, our other shows, and, uh, and other things of note, head on over to InverseGenius.com check that out if you want to go to a gaming convention i'm doing shushcon in march uh so it's march 10th through 12th go there play zames play some games say hello to me tell me what you're excited about and if you want to be on the show because you're super excited about something tough i mean let me know about that too and we'll see if we can't get you on uh goodbye everybody bye bye that's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.